a true story, uh, which happened during the night, that tragic night that the Titanic hit an iceberg and sank with over 2,000 people on board. The story goes that there was a woman sitting in a lifeboat about to be lowered when she suddenly remembered that she needed to get something from her room. Begging for permission to do so, she was given three minutes to get it, get back, or else they would lower the lifeboat without her. So the woman ran across the deck, ran down through the gambling room, ignoring all the money and the poker chips that were now floating in ankle-deep water. She got to her room, pushed aside her expensive jewellery, pushed aside her diamond ring, reached into the shelf above her bed and grabbed three oranges. And with those oranges, she ran back to the lifeboat. It's supposedly a true story. And if it is, it's a very powerful one for showing how some events can completely transform the way you think about things. I mean, 30 minutes earlier, this woman would never have dreamed of choosing oranges over and against money or diamonds or even gambling chips. But with the boat she's on sinking and with the prospect of floating adrift in the freezing North Atlantic Ocean for who knows how long, that realisation meant that now the nutritional value of three oranges was suddenly the most important thing she owned. Some events change everything. This morning in our Bible passage, we're going to be thinking about one such event. This is an event with Jesus at the centre of it, and what Jesus does is so amazing that it completely revolutionises how we look at life. What Jesus does this morning changes everything. Let me show you what I mean by working back through our reading under the headings of a desperate man, a desperate woman, and finally a very desperate situation. Because that, that's how the passage unfolds and actually builds momentum towards this one event that changes everything. It starts with the introduction of a desperate man. Verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Now, just in passing, notice that Jesus is clearly pulling a bit of a crowd at the moment. Uh, He's hopped out of a boat that he's used to cross over a lake and we're told that virtually the minute he steps ashore, a large crowd gathers around him. The reason for the crowd is because Jesus has been already doing some pretty amazing things. The guy's been calming storms, healing people from all manner of sicknesses. Last Sunday, we even read about how Jesus just had to say the word and a paralysed man got up and began walking around. So men and women from all walks of life, they are now flocking to Jesus because they can sense that with this person there is something very special indeed. Now, for you and I, this should come as no surprise because over the last few weeks we've been thinking about how Jesus is God himself on earth. That's what we thought about back on Christmas Day, that the birth of Jesus was the arrival of God with us. So it's hardly surprising that Jesus is doing impressive things. It's because he's God. And God's about to meet a very desperate man. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, 
My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and lived. Mark wants us to feel the desperation of this fellow Jairus. You can tell by the details that he includes in his description of the scene. For example, Mark tells us that Jairus eventually, when he gets through the crowd and physically sees Jesus, he falls at Jesus' feet. That's significant because Jairus, we're also told, is a synagogue leader. This is a respected man. This is a well-known, important man. Here is a man who is high up the social pecking order and he comes and falls at Jesus' feet and pleaded earnestly with him. It's a powerful scene. A high-profile leader in the community has arrived in the crowd and in front of everyone, not even caring what anyone thinks, he has fallen to the ground and he's begging for help. Can you imagine Malcolm Turnbull or Donald Trump falling to the ground and begging in front of anyone? Such is the majesty of Jesus that that is actually the most important, uh, most appropriate approach to make to him. He is God with us, remember. However, it's not 100% whether, whether Jairus completely understands all that about Jesus just yet. It's probably more the case that the guy is utterly desperate. His daughter is dying. And he's heard that Jesus has done some pretty amazing things healing other people. Maybe Jesus is going to be able to heal his little girl as well. So he comes and he pushes through the crowd and he falls on his hands and knees and he begs for help. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him. That is a lovely verse if you think about it. Jesus went with him. I mean, here he is. He he turns up completely unannounced and yet Jesus doesn't look at his watch and fob him off. Jesus isn't too busy going somewhere else. Jesus isn't too occupied with other things. Jesus goes with him. Can you imagine the sense of relief that must have flooded over Jairus at this point. Can you, remember, can you imagine almost the sense of nervous excitement? Maybe not wanting his hopes to get up too high because remember, his daughter's not just sick, she's dying. But Jesus is coming with him. Yeah, I can sort of picture Jairus walking alongside Jesus, perhaps even daring to put his hand under Jesus' elbow so as to help push him through the crowd as quickly as possible to get, to get back to his little girl as soon as possible because remember, she's not just sick, she's dying. And yet it is at this exact critical moment that the story of this desperate man is now interrupted by the intrusion of a desperate woman. And it's interesting that Mark includes this little incident rather than just cutting to the chase to see what's going to happen with Jairus' daughter. But Mark includes us because the interaction that Jesus is going to have with this woman is going to teach us something very important about having faith in Jesus. And it's going to have implications for Jairus. It's going to have implications for all of us. Verse 25. 
And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Notice again how Mark wants us to feel the desperate plight of this new person, now a woman. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's been bouncing from doctor to doctor for 12 years. She's been trying out treatment after treatment after treatment for 12 years. And all that has happened is that she has now run out of money and she's worse off than ever. Just like Jairus, we are meant to see that this is a person who is at the end of their tether. This is a person who, if Jesus is ever going to be able to help her, he's going to have to pull off something that no one else has ever done before. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped. That's amazing. 4,380 days of suffering gone like that just from touching his clothes. Who on earth is this? It's God with us. The next few verses tell us, however, that Jesus realises that something has happened. So he asks who's touched him. Seems a silly sort of question, really, because remember, he and Jairus, they're pushing through a crowd, so, so everyone's been touching him. But Jesus knows what he means. So does the woman. Then the woman, verse 33, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. In the space of just a few verses, he now is a second person on the ground, at the feet of Jesus. The first guy had turned up begging for help. This woman, however, is now trembling in fear. She's probably shell-shocked at the level of power that this person has. So has she overstepped the mark by touching him without permission? Is she now in trouble with Jesus? Because this Jesus is not someone you want to be on the wrong side of. But Jesus looked at her and said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. And friends, here is the punchline as to why Mark includes this woman's story within the story of Jairus. It's this lesson about faith. It's the lesson about how this woman's faith in Jesus has healed her. Having faith in doctors didn't heal her but a faith in Jesus, a faith in God with us, a faith like amazing things can happen from relying on Jesus. And that is a very important uh, lesson to grasp, especially as we'll see in a few moments from Jairus. But it's an important lesson for all of us to grasp because some people mistakenly think of faith as if it's some sort of just power of positive thinking. You know, and that you've just got to have faith, and if you have enough faith, that your faith will make things happen. The Bible never talks about faith like that. In the Bible, the important thing about faith is not how much you have, it's what you're putting it in. This woman put her faith in Jesus. See, I might have 
all the faith in the world that I can fly to Sydney simply by flapping my arms like a bird. I might really honestly believe that I can do that. But as utterly convinced and as positive as I might feel about that, that's not going to happen, is it? I'm not going to go anywhere just flapping my arms like a bird. But if I get into an aeroplane, then I can get to Sydney. In fact, no matter how nervously I get into that aeroplane, no matter how anxious I feel about how this big piece of metal is ever going to get off the ground, no matter how little faith I might have in aeroplanes, they can still get me there. Because it's not how much faith you have, it's what you're putting it in. A desperate woman has put her faith in Jesus. And he has not disappointed her. And that lesson is going to become critically important because Jesus is now going to ask Jairus to keep putting his faith in him even when the most desperate situation of all unfolds. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Clearly it's a lost cause now, isn't it? Why bother the teacher anymore? But, verse 36, ignoring what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. Now friends, imagine being there. Imagine not having heard the Bible reading a little bit earlier. Imagine not having heard the kids talk a little bit earlier. Imagine not knowing how this is going to end. Imagine being there and hearing Jesus say those words, don't be afraid, just believe. What on earth does that mean? Surely Jesus is not saying that just as the woman's faith in him healed her, surely he's not suggesting that our faith in him is going to heal Jairus. She's dead. To think that anyone's going to be able to fix that problem is so silly as to be laughable. Certainly the mourners think it's laughable. Verse 39, he, Jesus, went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The, the, the child's not dead but asleep. They laughed at him. If we'd have been there, I think we would have laughed too. Think about it. Jesus is about to step up to the plate and he's going to have a swing at raising someone from the dead. Imagine being at a funeral. And everyone's crying and sad and someone stands up and announces to everyone, stop crying. <laughs> They're only sleeping. Leave it to me. I'll show you. I'll sort this out. It's an outrageous claim. It, it almost seems insensitive. <laughs> and yet Jesus seems supremely confident and everything in this passage has been building to this moment. The way Jesus didn't even balk at coming with Jairus, despite how sick his daughter was. The way Jesus didn't seem in any great hurry to get to this 
girl, even though she's dying. The way power just oozes out of Jesus so much that a woman just has to touch his clothes and she's healed. The way he commends the woman for putting her faith in him and now he's telling Jairus to keep putting his faith in Jesus even though his daughter's died? Is Jesus really that powerful that you can rely on him to to fix death? After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and he went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. You think? Jesus has just done the unthinkable. He has raised a person from the dead. And friends, I am telling you, here is the one astonishing event that changes everything. Life as we know it has now been turned upside down. For God has arrived among us and he is striding around Palestine showing that death is not the end anymore. Life can happen after death. Life can happen after death. And because Jesus is God with us, he can give it to us. Extraordinary. All the more extraordinary because we don't deserve this. We thought about this last Sunday, how because of our sin, our imperfections, we don't deserve to have a life beyond this one. And yet, in an amazing act of love, Jesus will die on a cross to take the punishment that we deserve. And by doing that, he makes it possible for us to have an eternal life beyond this one we don't deserve. And all we need to do is exactly what Jesus commends the woman for doing and what he tells Jairus to do. All we need to do is just believe. To trust him. To have faith in who Jesus is. To rely on what he's capable of doing. To realise that Jesus is God with us. And so we submit to what he says and we trust in what he does for us. Is that how you're living? Would you say your life is a life of belief in Jesus? I hope so. I mean, if it's not, you can start today. It's simply a matter of praying and talking to God and telling him you're sorry, telling him you're going to stop ignoring Jesus and start trusting Jesus from this moment on. If that's your honest intention, you can tell God that and start trusting Jesus any time. If that's not you yet, at least grab one of those leaflets that I mentioned earlier about at the back door of the auditorium and keep reading and thinking more about Jesus because I'm telling you who Jesus is, what we are discovering this morning about what Jesus is capable of 
It changes everything. Let me give you a visual aid to close with. Saw someone else do this and I found it helpful. Imagine that this bit of green-coloured rope is your life in this world. Birth, death. Here's your life in this world. We're all on it somewhere. Some of you are pretty young, might be only about here. Some of us might be about the middle. Some of us might be coming towards the end. We've all got it. We're all there. But friends, Jesus has come along this morning and he has shown us that our existence doesn't end with this. He has shown us that there is life beyond this. Jesus has come along this morning and he has shown us that there is actually the possibility, there is actually an existence stretching out into all eternity. Bunnings didn't have enough rope in stock for an endless bit. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine a rope that's just stretching out of the building, over the backyard, across the grass? Imagine the rope stretching all the way out of Dubbo. Imagine the rope never ending. Now, because of Jesus, we're still here on this little bit of existence, but there's all this to come. And that changes everything. Suddenly things that you thought were important down here, maybe they're not as important as you think. Suddenly all those things that you're stressing over and worrying about, maybe they're not as significant as you think. And yet so many of us are just consumed with this little green bit. It's all we ever think about. The family, the house, the car, the caravan, the holidays, the gadgets, the job, the bank balance. We're fixated with, with all those sort of things because we think that, that they're going to make us happy somewhere on this tiny little point of this green bit. What about all this? What about all this? And some people say, oh, well, you know, I don't want to be a Christian. It's silly to take Jesus so seriously because Jesus is it's going to impinge on me being able to do what I want to do here. Are you kidding me? What about all this? What about all this? It's exactly why we take Jesus seriously. Because he's the one capable of giving us all this. And that is what Mark is wanting us to see this morning. It's why he shows us in chapter 5 two desperate people making their way to Jesus. And by healing one of them and raising the daughter of the other, Jesus shows that nothing is beyond him. He's God with us. So trust him. He can give you all this. He can give you a life beyond this one. And that changes everything. hope it's changed you. 
don't spend another year just thinking about the little green bit. God has been here with us to show us the foolishness of that. I'll pray. Father, thank you for your goodness in coming to be with us as Jesus. Father, we thank you that even though we don't deserve it, you are able to give us a life beyond the grave, an eternal life with you that we don't deserve, yet you graciously give it to us anyway. Father, thank you so much. And Father, we pray that we would believe, that we would trust your son, that we would submit to what he does for us, says to us, that we, we, we would rely on what he has achieved for us. We pray all this in his name, for his sake. Amen.